The Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need. Bet $100 and get $100 at winbet.com or download the WinBet app and start winning today. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Final Four Watch Party. April 1st at 7.30 p.m., SGP will be at the Ice House in Los Angeles. So come hang out with the crew. All the info is at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash icehouse. To another episode of the Alt Fantasy Sports Podcast. I'm Adam Pelletier, and that's Case Cookus's little brothers, nephews, cousins, next door neighbors, house repairman, Justin Mark. That was good on the fly. Threw a lot of stuff in there on the fly, and you came in hot. Love it. Love the energy. Oh, yeah. Always. We're here. <laughs> Week five of the XFL is in the book. The offensive shootout we thought was going to happen didn't. And then we had fireworks where we weren't expecting it between two of the worst teams. Justin, how you feeling after week five? Um, gosh, I tell you, fantasy-wise, I am struggling, especially in one league. I've lost three games by three points or less. Nothing oh. is more frustrating than that. So, But um, we'll pull it together. It'll pull together. I, I believe in you. <laughs> I, I think you're going to make it here, you know. And just speaking of that, you know, I'm currently sitting third place in the league I care the most about, despite having the most points scored against me. That's been absolutely brutal. I've had 393 against me through five weeks. That's just been miserable. And then my one of my teams has just got awful, one and four. That's been brutal. The Jack Cone experience has not been kind to me. <laughs> And then You're five and oh in one league, though. five and oh in one league, though, just running away with it, baby. That's been great. Five and oh, yeah, I'm running hot on away your, with it. Love hot it. on your tail Love there. Ah, that's fine. <laughs> you, you can keep looking at my rear. Okay. First in another league, first in a total points league. That's fantastic. First in, or no, not first. Oh, and four in another league. That's brutal. <laughs> and one in three in another league. We're all over the place. It's it's rough, and I'm in far too many X, fantasy XFL leagues. But so no be such it. thing. No, no such, such thing, thing. Justin says <laughs> no such thing as too many fantasy XFL leagues. But that's okay, dude. I don't have to count USFL leagues in that number, right? That that's just that's a separate that's a separate indicator. Well, yeah, you didn't say spring football leagues. You I said XFL. So that's yeah. true. The USFL, <laughs> the USFL number will make that big there. Um, but let's talk about these games. You know, the Seattle Sea Dragons staking a claim, trying to say they're the best team in the XFL. Justin, what was your biggest takeaway from that game on Thursday night? Uh, the biggest takeaway was that it was not the offense that really won that game for them, but a defense. Their defense has really been playing well, 
held Houston to zero points through three quarters. So um, any of your fantasy players that are going to be going against the Sea Dragons might, they could be limited. I mean, Houston still put up some good numbers from some of the players, but Houston's also a good team, I feel like. So you get one of those worst teams against Seattle, I think you're going to have some struggles. I think it's more important, more than over more than stating how important the Seattle defense is. I think the bigger thing that we learned is John Trey Kirkland is really important to that Houston offense. Kirkland yeah. went out in basically the first quarter, and the Houston offense was lackluster until the last two minutes. I think you can't overstate the value of John Trey Kirkland to this offense and the value that having a dominant spring number one brings to the table. And John Trey Kirkland seems to have the talent to be, seems to have NFL level talent. There's no question he should be on an NFL roster come the end of the XFL season. Yeah, agreed. And if you roster Kirkland, absolutely make sure you keep your eye on his injury status. They have not released it yet, to my knowledge. Um, and I don't think you can replace him, but you can start looking for guys that maybe will fill in a little bit, like Justin Smith, who uh, has a great first name and kind of stepped up for Houston um, in his absence there. <laughs> I mean, guys named Justin usually aren't reliable, so we're all a little <laughs> shocked by this. But, you know, a guy like Justin, you know, Justin Smith is important. Travell Harris is probably rostered. Max Borgie, Cedric Bird is a guy you might take a look at getting more involved. And, you know, it's just going to be wait and see. That's all it is. You got to see what happens. You got to watch the Kirkland injury and you want to add a Houston receiver if possible. Looking at the other side of the ball, though, Ben DiNucci continues to struggle turning the ball over. Houston probably should have lost that game by more. But Ben DiNucci has more turnovers than the Pillsbury Doughboy. He, he likes to keep it interesting. He's like, we're getting too far ahead. Well, let's give him the ball back. Yeah, I mean, I just, just giving the ball back time after time after time, but a a new, a new weapon emerges in Seattle, Damian Willis with eight targets taken over for Blake Jackson, Jordan VC and Juwan Green and Josh Gordon, you know, Josh Gordon still had seven, but only had two catches. Is Damian Willis someone we should be rostering right now? I think so, especially if Danucci keeps fighting with Gordon about which route he's running. Um, he was he was a little heated on that. So I think uh, if he likes Damian Willis and Willis is running the correct routes, which it seemed like he was, then that's definitely somebody to keep your eye on. And we said it before, you want a piece of this Seattle offense. I still think, even though they haven't done as well the past two weeks, I still think they're probably the best offense. Yeah, I mean, and these teams are going to start and end next week for us, Seattle gets to take on Orlando. So start your sea dragons, start them deep <laughs> and the roughnecks got to go to DC. So we'll see how that goes with, you know, their high octane offense against a ball control operation there in DC. Yeah, that'll definitely be a good game. I'm looking forward to that one. WinBet is the official online sportsbook of the sports gambling podcast network. WinBet is now active in Massachusetts and tons of other States. Be on the lookout for the WinBet win hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. During WinBet win hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. And March Madness is here. So many ways to bet on the big dance. Sign up today to receive a special offer. Get bet $100. Get $100. 
limited to state availability. And of course, for our DGENs only, if you hit the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get a $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to winbet.com or download the WinBet app. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. The SGP guys are going to be hosting a Final Four watch party at the historic Ice House in Pasadena, California. Saturday, April 1st at 7.30 p.m. Get all the details at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash icehouse. Looking to hang out with Sean and Ryan at Stadium Swimming and watch the biggest golf tournament in the world? You can win a three-night stay at Circa Las Vegas to hang with the guys. The contest is completely free to enter. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash golf party. And if you don't win the contest, you can still get a discount on a room by using promo code SGP15. And speaking of the D.C. Defenders... They took down St. Louis 28-20 in a game that was surprisingly high scoring. But Jordan Talamu still can't throw the damn ball. <laughs> no, um, under 100 yards for the third time this season. It's incredible that they're undefeated. But all of that being said, why would you want to throw the damn ball when you can run the damn ball with Abram Smith? Abram Smith currently paces the XFL with 429 yards from scrimmage. And 218 of that came on Saturday. Just an absolute barn burner of a game from Abram Smith. I think that is the best modern spring football performance that we've seen. I'd have to go back and look. But to my knowledge, that is going to be the best spring football performance to date. Yeah, I believe you're correct. Over 200 rushing yards, the three touchdowns. Um, he was a beast. If you have him on your and roster, don't you forget one catch for negative three yards for those of you <laughs> playing in PPR. There you go. Yeah, um, if he he's on your roster, you were very happy. If he's not on your roster and you were facing him, you were very unhappy. But um, or St. Louis could not stop him. I mean, Abram Smith putting up 40.5 points. I don't know that I've seen a total that big before in spring football, spring fantasy football. Just well done. Well done, Abram Smith. And we all continue to wonder, is Jordan Taomu actually the best thing for this DC defenders offense? I keep thinking it might be dear at King, or maybe they just need to run Abram Smith under center and let him wildcat this. That might work too. There you go. Switch, put Derek King in there and switch to the triple option. You know, but that being said, Lucky Jackson, another good week, seven targets, five catches, you know, made sure to move the ball a little bit. Chris Blair, three targets, two catches. You know, it's just they're struggling to push the ball down the field a little bit. And they struggled against a bad Battlehawks defense. So I'm really curious as to why they struggle. And the fact that they just continue to struggle makes me think it's this offense. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So, and on the other side of the ball, Hakeem Butler just continues to be that guy for the Battle yeah. Hawks. Nine for 86. Hakeem Butler looks like another one of these receivers with Jacor Pearson and John Trey Kirkland, who's bound to get back to the NFL. They're guys that are just dominating here. They have a skill, they have a talent. And Hakeem Butler's six six, and you can't teach six six. Yeah, no, absolutely. And no matter how many times they're throwing it at him, he's still making big plays. You would think the defense would work on shutting him down, but I don't think they can. 
No, I mean, but also, you know, St. Louis really dedicated to running the ball with Brian Hill. 14 touches for Brian Hill. Really good game. A.J. McCarron, 236 for two touchdowns. Another good week for McCarron. Just McCarron's reliably that QB 2-3 week after week. Might peak at one, depending on the touchdowns. And Brian Hill seems to reliably be getting touches, which you love for spring football. You know, he's been double-digit touches in each of his last three games. Yeah, um, consistency in spring football is very underrated when it comes to fantasy football. So you love to see the consistency. Yeah, I mean, no one else, no other running back is getting double-digit touches right now, week in and week out. With the exception, Davion Smith got double, is now on back-to-back weeks with double-digit touches. I don't know. Davion Smith has been double-digit touches in all four weeks, but he's had a much he's had a lower success rate than Brian Hill has. He's been bottled up behind a bad Arlington line for the most part. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, any other thoughts on that DC St. Louis game other than you know, we're talking about the dome being this big, raucous environment. But that being said, if your defense can't play, it doesn't much matter. Yeah, um, the game was surprising to me. You know, the last time these these two played in D.C., they held Abram Smith to 16 carries for 54 yards. So I don't know what changed to where he was able to flip that switch and that they couldn't stop him. But um, that was definitely interesting. I expected Battlehawks to actually win this one in the Dome. Obviously, that did not happen. Mm, no, that team just – they don't have a defense, and the offense just can't seem to get in it, can't seem to move the ball with any sort of regularity. So although McCarron's getting his yardage, a lot of it is coming in garbage time when they're already down big. True. So, and like we said, D.C. plays on Monday night against hosting Houston, and – San Antonio travels to Las Vegas to take on the Vipers on Saturday night. Speaking of the Vipers, 35-32 winners over the Orlando Guardians. Big, big game from the Vegas Vipers offense that no one really saw coming. Yeah, I can't tell if it was a big game by their offense or just a bad game by the Guardians. The Guardians seem to be a bit of a mess all across the board. Um, and, and really this came down to the wire. I mean, guardians scored and went for that three to tie. It just didn't get that three. So really interesting game here, which makes me want to fade the Vipers more than it does, um, kind of go with them. However, at least they're consistent at quarterback. Now it looks like Perez is the guy over Hundley. Yeah. Everybody was all aboard Brett Hundley and Luis Perez just seems like the guy who need the guy who's it. You know, he's currently QB four in yardage, you know, but he's got eight touchdowns to only three interceptions, which is much better than Danucci's nine to seven, but not as good as Silvers and McCarron's tied at 11 to four. So he's doing a good job of protecting the ball. He's moving the ball for yards. You like what you're seeing out of Luis Perez. And if you roster Jeff Bidette, you're loving the Luis Perez experience even more. Absolutely. But that is the guy that we talked about several weeks ago, but like he just has that dog in him and you see it week in and week out. So yeah, he's, he's a beast. Yeah. And then just, you know, continuing to look at it, you know, Rod Smith, big week, 18 for 62 on the ground for him. You know, you really like to see 
a big week like that for him. And it's just, it shows Smith seems to be running away with this job a little bit for Vegas. Yeah, agreed. Um, they use John Lovett more in passing situations. Um, but yeah, this is definitely Rod Smith's that first uh, running back and kind of a, a complete running back as well. Yeah, no. And Jeff Bidette pacing what was a loaded NFL roster when it came down to it. Five for 80 on six targets. He's getting open deep and Luis Perez trusts him 100%. Yeah. And then the surprise on the guardian side of things really was Quentin Dormady coming in back from exile, alleged to have (laughs) sold the playbook, comes back and says, I'm an accurate spring football passer. I am Luis Perez (laughs) 2.0. And after going 22 for 25, 256 yards, how do they not just roll with him going forward? I mean, I I think they have to. He did the best job out of any Orlando quarterback that we've seen of getting the ball into guys' hands. He got the ball to Cody Latimer, Charleston Rambo, Lance Lenore, even Logan Carter got in on it a little bit. He did a good job of spreading the ball out. A lot of this came when they were down big, but as we talked about, led them back, kept them in the game. They didn't really, like, they were down, and it was clear that they were down, but they were never, like, down and out, thanks to Dormady. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, and huge day from Latimer, eight for eight, 124 and a touchdown. Um, he's just, he's been the most consistent tight end, obviously, of the uh, XFL. He's been a top five pass catcher overall yeah. in the XFL. I'd call him that reliable. And going and getting to host a iffy St. Louis defense away from the confines of home, I think. If I'm looking for a quarterback, I'm going to go out and I'm going to scoop up Quentin Dormady ASAP. Agreed. Absolutely. That's a a great waiver play, especially with how tricky the quarterback position has been this year. And then bringing it back to the defensive snooze fest that was the Arlington Renegades and San Antonio Brahmas. This was painful. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's just there's nothing else to say about this. Jack Cohn and Reed Sinet combined to go 20 for 34 for 139 yards and three interceptions and one touchdown. Just Reed Sinet looked a little better, I guess, but I don't know that I'm calling him much better because their long was the same. His average was a little bit better and he didn't have to push the ball late like Cone did. I mean, how many incompletions did Cone have on that last drive that really drove down his day? Yeah, for sure. And Reed Sinet spotted in a boot after the game because of that injury. So I don't expect he will be back. Um, you got to remember, we're getting close to playoff time. So uh, I don't think he's going to be back and make a difference for your team, um, unfortunately, because I did think given some time, he would have been able to get a little more going. Yeah, I mean, I'm really wondering if this San Antonio season doesn't turn out differently, if their offensive line doesn't get decimated and they lose Landon Acres. I mean, what are they on now? They're sixth and set, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth offensive linemen across the board. Yep. And it shows. I mean, their rushing average is atrocious. Their rushing average is in the tank. You know, yep. they had a slightly better day than past weeks, but that was mostly buoyed by some quarterback scrambles that really bailed them out. And, you know, they're dink and dunk passing offense. Kalen Bellage is taking dump offs, and so is Jaquez Patrick. Each of them had five catches. 
and Fred yeah. Brown was the leading receiver non-back at four for 31. I mean, it just – no one's getting open. The quarterback doesn't have time to throw. It's a recipe for disaster in San Antonio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at this point, as much as I like Jacquez Patrick and Kalen Balazs, they are getting the PPR points, of course, but at this point I'm kind of fading everything that is San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, they weren't, they haven't been the bell cows that we thought they were going to be, but they're getting the touches, they're getting the work that we thought they would. They're just not able to do anything with it. Similarly to Davion Smith on the other side of the board, 19 for 44, just running into the line for two and a half yards a carry, and it's getting the job done. Kenneth Farrell looks a little more explosive, but not much. Yeah, and he also had a – it looked like a knee injury. They didn't say for sure. Farrow did. So something to keep your eye on if you're relying on maybe having him go forward because he did kind of look like he had some explosiveness. But um, I think that's going to be Davion Smith's backfield now because I don't think he'll it's be back at least Davion next Smith's week. backfield. I mean, Davion Smith out here with 20 touches in this last game. You know, Kenneth Farrow had 12 – had 11 touches and a target. You know, it's just it's Davion Smith's role, and there's just not enough power and push on that offensive line. Yep, for sure. And, and, and no, go ahead. Go I was just saying the defense doesn't really have to fear this passing attack either. No, not at all. <laughs> I mean, and you know, averaging five and a half yards an attempt for Kyle Sloter, the much hyped connection with Sal Ganell is there. But even that fell away, and everyone knew he's not going to go elsewhere. You know, so they're blanketing Canella, eight targets, but only four catches for 32 yards. Brandon Arcanado had three for four, had three catches for 40, just not producing anything close to what you'd hope from the tight end one. Yeah, not at all. And these two play each other next week, and I don't think you can expect much different of a result than this. You won't have to stay up as late as the bonus. You get to watch it at 3 p.m. on a Sunday as opposed to 9 p.m. on a Sunday. There you go. A very nice change for all of us. Glass half full. I like it. (laughs) We're also brought to you by March Madness by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is heating up for March Madness. College Pick'em is a great way to get in on the action, especially if your bracket is busted after day one. Plus, Underdog Fantasy is your favorite college basketball player props. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. So, you know, Justin, XFL, we're week six, we're moving into week six now. Playoffs are two weeks away, really. Six, seven, eight, yep, three regular season weeks left. You're trying to make that final push, getting into the top four, whatever your league's doing for playoffs. If you can make a trade, who's a guy that you're targeting right now? Who's gettable? That's going to make a difference for your fantasy team. Yeah, um, that's gettable is the the tricky part there. But um, I, I like going for Rod Smith, and I don't think you have to probably give up too much for him. But I think he is really starting to take over for Vegas. Um, somebody that... You know, nobody's going to give up Abram Smith. I doubt they're going to give up Brian Hill, though I really like Brian Hill. Um, so yeah, Rod Smith's kind of a guy that I've had my eye on that he's looking better and better each week, it seems like. So that's a running back I'm kind of targeting. Yeah, I mean, and he just, you know, Rod Smith just hit 18 carries, 
this last week and you love to see something like that, he's definitely a guy that would be at the top of my list. But for me, you know, I'm looking for that receiving upside. I'm looking for that guy who can just take over. And I think I'm keeping an eye on Darius Shepard right now because Darius Shepard has been absolutely explosive in the kick return game. Maybe he hasn't done as much with the receiving, but he's let he's steadily getting more involved. Eight, eight, and five are his target numbers the last three weeks for St. Louis, and they're gonna need to throw the ball. He's a he's an older veteran, and you know he's be a clear running mate to Hakeem Butler, especially and seems to be producing better than Austin Prohl has been. I mean, Austin Prohl has kind of fallen off a little bit the last couple of weeks with five, six, and three targets. He's more just a fun guy who gets open when they run five wide. Darius Shepard seems to be ingrained into this offense. Agreed. And and it seems like McCarron has definitely realized he can trust him as well. So um that's a really good one. Twenty one targets in the last three weeks is nothing to take lightly. No, I mean and that's just, you know, that's it. You know, a guy maybe I'm and who's a guy you're looking to move off of a little quicker? Um, gosh, I like all my guys. Um, but <laughs> one guy that I think you can get good value out of, and I hate to say it because I'm a huge Max Borgie fan. Um, his production just hasn't been as good as it was at the beginning of the season. They're getting Dejun Lee and Bryson Alain more involved. So that's a guy that I feel like you could probably move and get a good value out of because he is a big name that has had some really good games. No, I agree there, but I also think I also think um, Josh Gordon is probably someone that you yeah. can con someone who's in your league, maybe not paying as much attention to, because although the targets have been there, the depth the depth of target and the averages have just steadily gone down. Like it peaked in week two one catch for 33 and then in week three, six for 118 and two touchdowns. But, you know, he's been high target, low efficiency. And that's a guy I'm looking to move away from, especially given the arrival in that Seattle offense, you know, of some of these other guys, Jacor Pearson's been doing well, Blake Jackson, and now potentially Damian Willis coming out of the woodwork here, just announcing himself in you know, he's been involved, but this is his first big game. Eight targets, five for eight, five for 61 and a touchdown. Damian Willis is another, is a guy I'm looking to add right now because I think he's going to stay more involved, especially with big pro size at 6'3". Yeah, agreed. So, Justin, XFL's partway through, but yeah. we have three and a half weeks until the USFL kicks off justin how excited are you for usfl fantasy to be to come back into our lives oh i'm pumped um one of the things that's the best about this year is it's it should be a just a little bit less of a guessing game obviously there's still going to be some guessing game but you have some consistency now of guys that are on the team for the second year um and can really start to build on that so i'm excited about that for sure I mean, as I'm looking at this, just like carrying it over. Okay. So I look at, you know, the breakers, the breakers are a plate are a team that completely turned over their quarterback and running back room, but they kept their wide receivers, you know, particularly Johnny Adams and Johnny Dixon and EJ Bibbs is back. Sage Sherratt came over from the stallions, which is a huge addition. 
yeah. if they continue to focus the if they continue to uh, highlight the tight end. That's amazing to see for the breakers. You know, then we look at the show, but let's just go roster by roster. Let's start with the breakers. <laughs> we'll start with the breakers. All right. Breakers. The biggest question mark here for the breakers has to be quarterback, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, quick snap. Who's the guy you think walks away with this job? Um, I don't even know at this point. Um, I think it literally could be anybody's job here. Um, do you got a feel do you, of who you think might be? I think Akil Glass has the upside that yeah. everybody kind of wants to see. I know some folks are big into McLeod Bethel Thompson, but he's just had some up and down. He's been too up and down. He lost his job in 2021 for the Toronto Argonauts, you know, lost his job there and to Antonio Pipkin. Yeah. Who I don't think anybody knows who Antonio Pipkin is. Well, so I do. <laughs> you do because you you love the CFL. So, um, but Akil Glass feels like an upside, a young guy who, with good coaching, can really become something, and has the ability to push the ball out to Dixon and Adams, which is really what this offense is going to need. Yeah, and um, Cloud Bethel Thompson, while he's had some good runs here and there, he's an older quarterback, and I just don't see them trotting him out to be their uh, their starter. I think he's probably somebody that you bring in to kind of mentor these younger guys um, and then sit behind them as an emergency backup. Yeah. So now we're looking at – sorry. Now we're going to the Memphis Showboats. You know, who are we thinking about here? You know, um, what are your thoughts as we're just looking at this? Yeah, I'm a big Cole Kelly fan, six foot seven quarterback out of southeastern Louisiana, I believe it was. Um, it, he had some games where threw for over 400 yards, five, six touchdowns. He can also move fairly well for a six, seven guy. I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I thought he was going to get an opportunity in the NFL last year. He didn't. So I'm excited to see him kind of kind of latch onto a spring league like this so he can develop. And um, I think he wins that job. I know Brady White has the experience in the USFL. He got to play some last year, but I think this is Cole Kelly's job. I could see that happening. You know, I'm not sure where the showboats roster really goes, but I do know they turned over all their running backs, but they have some guys here, Alex Collins, who yeah. has NFL experience, Kareth White, who's a guy out of FAU, you know, had some cups of coffee, coffee, David Ham and Justin Stockton, less known guys, but David Ham, been someone who's kit, who's had some time in some NFL buildings, as well as being around some spring leagues as well. Um, was rumored to be linked to the Maulers last year, but good to see him getting a shot this year, but at wide receiver, you know, for me, the name that really sticks out that they added is John Bay Johnson. Yeah. John Bay Johnson is an absolute speedster out of Toledo who really could bring a new element to the showboats roster, especially with a retooled quarterback room. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought for sure you're going to say old Vinny Papali. <laughs> no, no. We saw that experience last year. That was not that great. Name brand only is Name basically brand. what that is. Yeah. So, and then, you know, as we'll just roll on south, keep it in, in the south, the Houston Gamblers, you know, who are you looking at here? Who's standing out to you? 
Um, the gamblers. Um, uh, I think, I don't know. They're probably I mean, going to give the chance to Bahar, but I'm a big Cozart fan because I'm a Boise State fan. I think Montel Cozart is a, is a good quarterback. What do you think? I mean, the, the problem for me is last year, their quarterback room was just absolutely awful. <laughs> In the last time around, you know, I I wish I wasn't saying that, but Clayton Thorson was God awful. Kenji Bahar was slightly better on completion percentage, but neither of them, you know, combined 1500 yards, 12 touchdowns, nine picks, not what you'd expect, especially with some weapons like T.O. Redding, Jojo Ward, Tyler Palka and Anthony Ratliff Williams. Yeah. You know, but this is a team that's going to run early run off and, and I think we're going to see the receivers improve with the new head coach as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly sure that they hope they will. Um, but their running back room, Mark Thompson, Dave Wawaley, these are guys that can get the job done and have in, in spring football before. So it'll be interesting to see how all that shakes out with the offense in general. Yeah, Mark Thompson, 465 yards on the ground last year as well as another 40, so about 500 total yards in 10 games. A little less than 10 games because I know he missed some time there. But that was great to see. He's a big, bruising, physical runner that will allow them to establish a presence on the ground. You know, you love to see it. And I think also that they have a bunch of the offensive line back as well, as well as Brandon Barnes and Julian Allen. The returning talent is going to matter because it's comfort in a system. It's comfort with a playbook. It's comfort with a staff. It's comfort with your teammates. And this is what we've always been so excited about in spring football is what happens in year two. For sure. Yeah. So rounding out the South Division, the Birmingham champ stallions running it back. Like there was not, there is not a lot of turnover on this roster. The biggest obviously is the loss of Sage Surratt and, you know, some, some changes in the receiver room as well. Yeah. Um, and they didn't even utilize Sage Surratt as well. I mean, it was more of Carrie Angeline, it seemed like, but it's interesting to me to see, you know, this team last year started off with Alex Magoo as their starter. Jamar Smith took over. They're both still on the roster. I wonder if they're going to split time or if they do just give the reins to Jamar after he did so well. I don't think you can not. I don't think you can do anything but just run with Jamar this year. Mm-hmm. You know, last year there wasn't that much of a timeshare actually. It was definitely dominated by Jamar Smith and it showed throughout, you know, Jamar 238 attempts last year to only 75 for Magoo and you know, Jamar took care of the ball. Jamar made yeah. plays with his legs. He ran for 191 yards. You know, there was no timeshare there. That was well. I think, I think Magoo got, Yeah, I think Magoo got hurt in the second or third game. Yeah. Um, he came back for the playoffs, but I mean, um, Jamar just looked better time after yeah. time. Jamar Smith looked better, more comfortable in that offense, and I don't know that Alex Magoo is going to take that job from him. It, you know, I just I think they're going to roll with Jamar. But what I am excited to see is Bo Scarborough run the ball hard again this year. That we guy's a f- beast full year of Joe Scarborough and CJ Maribel. And that is just unbelievable that they're running back their entire running back room, which is just an amazing amount of comfort, you know, and then out at receiver, 
even, you know, Marlon Williams is back, Peyton Ramsey, Adrian Hardy, Michael Darius. Then they brought in guys like Deion Kane, Davion Davis, Rico Gafford, Myron Mitchell, and Austin Watkins. All are who all are guys that I'm interested to see how they shake out. For sure. You know, and then of course, the Birmingham Stallions brought in Jace Sternberger, who had that one who had one great game for the Green Bay had a few great games for the Green Bay Packers. Yep, the old Sternberger. Old Sternberger, the guy we always thought was going to show up. Moving to the North Division, Pittsburgh Maulers. What stands out to you here? Um, you know, I they go from having a terrible quarterback room to two guys that I think can get it done, either Chase Forcade or James Morgan. Um, I don't know which one takes the reins over, but I like both of them. I think they both had good college careers, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, what I will say, Chase Porcade is no stranger to picking up a playbook quickly. You know, yeah. he was in camp with the failed Major League Football, but he was definitely the guy who looked like the most consistent in that offense in camp. You know, it was good to see, you know, it's good to see him land on his feet after this. And it'll be interesting to see, can he beat out? Can he hold off James Morgan? who's a big physical quarterback, 6'4", you know, and the Maulers had him, you know, had him on the roster before he briefly signed with the Cardinals practice squad. He's been a guy bouncing around NFL practice squads for a while now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a tough one. This might be a timeshare, actually, because both quarterbacks are good and bring a lot to the table. So this might be something we see both of them get the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, and even Troy Williams coming down from the CFL, you know, not spectacular numbers, but spent some time, been a pro, you know. And again, we have a running back room that's the same. Garrett Groshek and Madre London both had, both looked good last year running the ball. You know, they weren't spectacular, but they were good enough. Yeah. You know, Madre London, 415, Garrett Groshek, 300, and London, and Groshek and London, neither of them were fantastic catching the ball, but you know, we could, I could see this turning into something. Yeah, no, they're definitely bruising running backs. Um, but yeah, and Bailey Gaither was good in the wide receiver room. Delvin Hardaway, Isaiah Henney, bringing all those guys back. So. Never forget ba- the viral video of Bailey Gaither absolutely cooking the Ravens' starting cornerback in training camp the day after he was signed to that roster, you know, he and Trey Walker, if, if the Maulers can get their quarterback situation figured out, I'm interested to see what happens there with Bailey Gaither. I'm a little more excited for some of these USFL weapons than I was heading into the XFL, because I think there's a clearer pecking order across the board here. Agreed. So, and then continuing up to the Philadelphia Stars, bringing back potentially the quarterback everybody's most excited about, Case Cookus. Yeah, um, and I think he'll pick up right where he left off. It was unfortunate how his season ended in the playoffs there with that injury, but I'm excited to see him come back. He's got that consistency now with the receivers that they're bringing back as well. Bug Howard, Chris Rowland, Jordan Sewell. Um, this is going to be another good off, or good offense again, I believe. Bug Howard currently on the inactive list of Justin, her alt football insider. Do you know anything about that? What I is don't, the deal? 
I don't know anything about that. It makes me a little nervous, but um, I, I know he signed in the NFL and then got cut with an injury. So I wonder if he's still rehabbing from that. Yeah. And even if he's not back, they bring, they bring back Matt Colburn, Darnell Holland and Dexter Williams, three running backs. And people are going to say, well, they signed Vad Lee. They signed Kevin Thompson. This is case Cookus's job and KJ Costello is chilling on the bench. And he almost led them to a USFL championship as well. Also, Ryan Izzo and Pro Wells aren't slouches at the tight end position either. Agreed. Yeah. You, you know, Case Cookus is going to be the test case. What happens when you bring back the quarterback with his weapons? How good can he be? Yep. And I think he's going to be very good. I, I'm excited to see what this team does. I know a lot of people are targeting Case Cookus at the 101 overall. Yes. So, and then continuing up, the New Jersey Generals. Yeah, no more Luis Perez, obviously. Um, oh, no, but- what a catastrophe. <laughs> they got rid of a guy who was a noodle arm and didn't really do anything. <laughs> you ask all those general fans, and they will tell you they loved Luis Perez. Um, but yeah, why? Why? I just I don't understand. (laughs) How could you watch DeAndre Johnson throw the ball and then watch Luis Perez throw the ball and be like, Yeah, I want this Perez kid as my quarterback? Don't ask me, I'm not a Perez fan. So, it's just um, (laughs) having watched them both live, yes, one of these guys looked like I've seen high schoolers with bigger arms. And one of these guys, I was like, that looks like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes just uncorked that ball. DeAndre Johnson has top-level arm talent, and I don't think that his struggles passing the ball are necessarily on him. I still I wonder what this general's offense is going to look like. You know, they went out and got DeMornay Pearsonell, who could 100% play the Kamonte Turpin role. Not to the same level, but he's a dynamic, explosive receiver as well as bringing back Randy Satterfield, Chris Platt. Hopefully he's off of, hopefully his injuries are squared away and Alonzo Moore back. You know, I think DeAndre Johnson can have this job and hold it throughout the entirety of the year. So you don't think Kyle is going to supplant him? No, I do not. <laughs> I do not at all. I don't either, but it's, um, they did. Bring I don't him think up, Dakota like- Pruckup is going to do it either. Like, yeah, Prukup's a big dude. Um, he's somebody that I feel like they bring in in case Johnson gets hurt because he is a big dude that can run the ball like Johnson did. Um, he had CFL when they brought him in for the CFL, they were just designed quarterback runs pretty much every time he came in. So, um, an interesting pickup, but I think it's just for depth. Yeah. I mean, you got to carry three quarterbacks, everybody's going to carry three quarterbacks this year, you know one of them is just your emergency quarterback, you know, and the generals returned a lot of talent as well. You know, these teams returning talent is big and, you know, I'm excited. I want to see Deandre Johnson get a fair shot because I do think he is the most electric quarterback right now in the USFL. I think I firmly believe that. Yeah. Agreed. And then lastly, the woeful Michigan Panthers. Yeah, not quite as bad as the Maulers, but almost (laughs) just as bad. So, do they turn the reins over to Josh Love? Do you think? 
I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> I don't somehow either. this is the quarterback situation I feel the worst about. Yeah, like, oh, 100%. Every year, we talked about it going into the XFL. There's one team that you just look at that quarterback situation and you just go, well, shit. <laughs> we nailed it with the Orlando Guardians. I'm telling you right, unless Quentin Dormady just turns out to be an absolute res- revelation and not just put up numbers against a bad team. Yeah. You know, I think the Michigan Panthers are my number one contender right now. And because I don't know that Josh Love can do it. And I don't know that Eric Barriere can do it either. No, I absolutely agree. Um, they will surpass the Maulers in the in the wrong way of being the shit show of the USFL. Yeah, I mean, and it's unfortunate because they're bringing back a bunch of they're bringing back the, they're bringing back a dynamic backfield of Reggie Corbin and Stevie Scott and they added some talent at receiver in Trey Quinn you know who yeah. had a cup of coffee in the NFL played well there you know and Marcus Baugh's back at tight end too they have weapons but they're missing a quarterback yeah yeah if they I'm are Michigan I'm calling New Orleans and I'm saying hey about these quarterbacks or I'm calling Memphis and I'm saying about these three quarterbacks you have, can I has one? (laughs) Um, Actually, I just remembered and it's because the thing I'm looking at is a little out of order, but the Panthers did add a quarterback that I think has some promise in Carson strong. Carson strong was a a big quarter or like a big arm in Nevada. Um, And so I think he could find success and end up being their starter. I, whether that'll matter because it is still the Panthers, I don't know. But um, that's a guy that I forgot they did bring in that I could mean, have some with value. Carson Strong, it's like, okay, look at his NFL history. He didn't even make it all the way through training camp with the Eagles, and he was on free age, and he got added to the Cardinals practice squad for one week in 2022. Like, he played in a middling conference with Nevada. And he put up, he put up numbers his junior and senior year, but is he that spectacular? Is he a guy you're like, yeah, we need to have that guy. I mean, more than Josh love, but that's also, that's a low bar to clear. My (laughs) friend, that is a low bar to clear. Don't never forget Josh love, you know, Josh love also put up numbers, you know, almost 4,000 passing yards his senior year but fewer touchdowns and he's not the runner. Carson strong is a runner. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe crazier things have happened. You could talk me into Carson strong. I'm just not banging down the door for him. Yeah, sure. I mean, and this Panthers team was just absolutely atrocious last year. Like, don't forget that this team was really freaking bad last year, <laughs> you know, despite, having some prom despite having reggie corbin and stevie scott they were bad yeah there's just no other way to put it and they lost their top receiving option in lance lenore yeah so i mean we're just starting to look at our usfl we're going to pay attention to the news coming out of training camp here training camp kicked off today really players arrived over the weekend they started running today so it's exciting times those folks some ro- there's going to be some roster movement. Make sure you're paying attention. Follow guys like Justin. You know, pay attention to what happens with KJ Costello if he ends up on a roster. That could be interesting. And there's no other real offensive players that we're paying attention to. Oh, 
Hergi Maela, and Richie Sindani are also on the inactive list. So more. There's four fantasy-relevant, traditionally fantasy-relevant. I won't talk about IDP because I don't know enough about IDP. <laughs> so, All yeah, right. Well, no. Justin, we're hitting a golden time. I know probably maybe in the next week or so we're going to plan on getting a bigger USFL deep dive out there. So, Justin, thank you yes, for sir. your time, sir. Have yeah. a good one. There is... He is Justin, a.k.a. Carson Strong's Burner Account 2.0. Mark and I am Adam Pelletier, and we will see you next time. Nova Productions.